Vita Ghaffari is an actress originally from the Washington, D.C. area. Her father was a scientist, her mother an artist and art teacher. Vita is of Iranian descent, and she grew up during a time where anti-Iranian sentiment was prevalent in the United States. She was bullied in school, and therefore felt most comfortable on stage, exploring different characters. As an adult, Vita would land in the journalism field, and that would ultimately take her from D.C. to Los Angeles, working in Persian TV. Those opportunities led to some voiceover work, but Vita was still drawn to performing. As she sought more acting opportunities, she began to notice the types of roles she was booking. Hijab woman, number one. Muslim lady, number three. And those roles were often diminutive, silent, and racist. Those roles would challenge Vita, not as an artist, but as an Iranian-American wishing to explore characters with more depth in an industry notorious for perpetuating stereotypes. Fortunately, Vita would ultimately find what she was looking for in a way that's brought everything full circle. I'm Bobby Gonzalez, and this is Spoken Dreams. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu/podcast Hi, my name is Vita Gafari. I was born and raised in the DC area to Iranian parents, and it was a very interesting climate. It was after the Iranian Revolution. So I, you know, I grew up in a climate which is, I guess, I hate to say it, understandable. Anti-Iranian sentiment was very high, and uh, my dad was a NASA scientist. My mom was an artist and an art teacher in Iran, and. You know, my family was not religious, but very culturally traditional. My dad wanted me to be a scientist like him, and he's—I said, "Dad, I'm not good at science," and he really pushed me to do the Westinghouse science competition. And my heart was just not in it. I think when someone really pushes something on someone, it's just not they're meant to be, and they rebel and they go in the other direction. So uh, my grandmother was actually a highly regarded poet and suffragist, which is very nearly impossible in Iran, but she did that. So. I guess I kind of leaned to my mom's side of the family. Like I said, as a kid, anti-Iranian sentiment was really high, and it, I was bullied a lot, and I felt most comfortable on stage. I guess I looked smart, so I was always like the doctor or the teacher or whatever. We had to play different roles, and what I loved about it is I loved the energy of the audience and riffing with the audience and being whatever I could be because I knew that I would never satisfy my dad. I think in the back vestiges of my mind but I love the personification of character and I loved the audience reactions and I loved you know making of what I could of the experience it's kind of hard to explain as an adult from like a second grade mind I like the rehearsals I like the camaraderie so that was a real interesting experience for me um just to riff off the audience it was just 
beautiful, wonderful, lovely. I can't explain it. It's just a, it was just a feeling I had and I, I just wanted more of that feeling. Regardless, I got a BA in economics at the University of Maryland College Park, go Terps. Uh, but my traditional Persian father, he just really convinced me to study econ. I did manage to minor in theater and journalism, and I performed at the black box stages at University of Maryland. Uh, additionally, uh, I did study journalism, and I was an intern in the investigative unit at WUSA, where I also uh, moved to the uh, consumer unit because I you know, have a degree in econ. And then from then on, I got some grants in writing and journalism. It was an interesting thing for me because I got to deal with I, I, a lot of my own culture, uh, being of Iranian descent. Sometimes I had to fill in as a translator. Uh, needless to say, my Farsi really improved. And uh, I got some job opportunities out here actually in journalism. I got my start in Persian TV and I hosted a couple shows and there were satellite stations. So it was broadcast internationally. So even my family in Iran and Europe uh, could watch me. So that was very exciting. And I think what I noticed is once you're in one niche, it's hard to get out of it. Like I really enjoyed the Persian TV. I worked for a bunch of networks. I was, you know, building up my, you know, reels and what have you. But I think a person can only go so far. I think that was the clincher. And I actually got my start in voiceover because I would voice their promos in English and Farsi because I was, you know, a native English speaker. And then one of the engineers took a shine to me and he's like, you know what, I'm going to record your demo. I've always had to really struggle for everything. <laughs> My mom is really into astrology and she's convinced because I'm a Capricorn, I don't know. But I feel like everything I've done, I've had to put like 150% in, whether it's journalism, whether it's acting. So when the voiceover thing happened, I was like, wow, because demo reels back then, there wasn't the technology that there is now. This was probably a decade ago. And the engineer did the demo reel for me. I mean, nobody ever does anything for me. Like I've had to scrape by like, you know, working so hard trying so hard so basically I submitted to a couple agents I got an agent here I got an agent in Portland Oregon and I got another agent that was hip pocketing me back uh, in the mid-Atlantic so it was wonderful like I was booking industrials I was I did a couple audio books I got my first animated film I did ADR looping uh, for your listeners that aren't familiar that's when you record scenes like you know when they're like uh, especially being Persian when there's like a crowd scene and they're in a bazaar and you know like the U.S. soldiers are chasing people down so voiceover you know Knockwood has been a dream for me has there ever been an experience or a specific moment that you can remember that you had any doubts well I think the nature of this industry is everyone is a type and I feel like for me, I would go for these really ridiculous parts when I first moved out here where I was like hijab woman, uh, number one or number two, or I was, you know, Muslim woman, number three. And it was very like, and those are the worst parts, may I tell you, because I've booked some of those parts. And the problem is in those cultures, so sometimes I'd be given a good monologue, but in those cultures, women aren't known to speak. And then I would realize that things would change like the lines would get less and less when I came to set and then sometimes lines get cut I mean it happens for every actor but then to have that whole get up 
And uh, I was working on a pilot and um, that was a really, really uh, interesting and defining moment for me because the director wanted to put me in a burqa and it was the pilot so the network was giving notes and I had to go on the set covered which is fine and then they broke for lunch and they're like oh you know just stay for lunch in this you know get up and I was really covered I mean you could not see one hair and I like to think that women in Iran aren't as covered as people make them be but uh it was a lot of stereotypes and and it was just a very trying thing I remember um I also worked on um Jimmy Kimmel which is a great show I've been on it a number of times and I had to play a burqa woman and it was a very controversial sketch and it was uh I was it was like there was a website for I guess Middle Eastern dating but it's because it's Middle Eastern they don't date they're supposed to get married I did not know this at the time but my character was traded for a goat as the dowry they brought in live goats that's a very humbling experience I mean I can't even imagine um and I kept thinking to myself you know I have family in Iran Nobody ever got traded for a goat. I have many Persian friends. Like, it's like the worst common denominator. And I remember when they were recording this sketch, um, the one of the writer guys said to the director guy, this is racist and misogynist on so many levels. And he's like, it's Jimmy Kimmel. And he's like, I know, but it's like really racist. The guy that played the father-in-law actually is a acclaimed um, uh, Afghani actor. His name is Fahim Fazli. He didn't have that many lines. And I'm thinking... Why would he be doing this? So that was kind of a, a scary thing for me to see somebody who, you know, had a major role in a Bill Murray film. He's been in lots of like every movie where there's like an Afghan warlord. He's the warlord. He's with A-list actors. So that was very more so humbling for me to see him do it. He was, you know, cool with it, but he's very acclaimed. And that was very scary for me to see. Or to see actors that I've worked with, that I've worked with an ADR looping that are series regulars doing ADR looping work. So that was scary to me. Um, being a girl next door type in a very Barbie town. Uh, I think a lot of the Middle Eastern parts lately, they're looking for like a Kim Kardashian type. And I feel like I was ethnically ambiguous, but not ambiguous enough. And I kept getting told that. And I remember I went for a, a casting director that would... He would shoot a lot of these, um, he was the CD for a lot of these movies where they're like um, Middle Eastern conflicts. And I remember thinking, oh, this is great. I finally get to read with this guy if I play a few hijab ladies or, you know, whatever, like a translator or some State Department person if I'm lucky. Beautiful. I walk in and this is so politically incorrect. He's like, what are you doing here? All the brown people should be here today. And then um, there was like silence and there were other um, Middle Eastern actors. And I was just like taken aback. And I, you know, it's, I'm just not used to that. I'm from Washington, D.C. People are very politically correct. But that was another eye opener. Um, and, and my heart goes out to uh, my, my Persian actor friends. In a way, I think I'm lucky that I'm playing more Western roles now because that must be very hard to do. It must be very hard to, to live with, especially in the climate that we're in now. 
You know, I have a great manager now, the fabulous Joe Williamson, and he's like, you know, Vita, why don't we just steer away from the headshots that are where you're covered? Because I had like, because my agents were very, um, and I hate to say this at the time, they just wanted me to, they just wanted to submit me for the Middle Eastern stuff, or they claimed that I'd just get in for the Middle Eastern stuff. And then, you know, I'd come across these issues. And I remember I had like, four different headshots where I'm in a headscarf. And he's like, why don't you just do different pictures? Why do you have to be the Middle Eastern lady? Why can't you be, you know, a scientist lady or a businesswoman or, you know, something of that thing? He started pitching me for different things. Um, I booked all sorts of roles through him. And for me, it wasn't like a one-noter. You know what I mean? I think when you play a Muslim woman, it's a one-noter. Like, it was interesting to go from playing these characters to like, wow, my, my character has a shift. My character evolves. My character has a purpose as opposed to being like, you know, a little bit more than wallpaper. That was an interesting journey for me as an artist. I worked on this wonderful movie, Eternal Code. It was written, directed, and produced by the fabulous Harley Wallen, a very talented filmmaker. And I got to tell you, I was playing a scientist, and it was my first scientist role. And I think I owe a big thank you to Harley because that's my niche now. Is I, I now play very smart women. Uh, so I played a scientist, and what was interesting to me was my dad in Iran. To be a scientist is like to be, I don't know, Kobe Bryant. It's very highly regarded. It's very strange, but they're like celebrities. So when I booked this role, uh, it went all over the Persian media. It was in uh, local, national, international papers. It was on news broadcasts in Iran um, that I played a scientist because my dad was a scientist. I guess that was an interesting angle for them. So that was just a wonderful experience. And to play and to the scientist I played was a multifaceted woman. She didn't like walk in with a headscarf and walk out, you know. So it was, it wasn't hijab woman. Her name was Nikita. You know, I played other characters like that, but this was a very multi-layered character. And then after I played this scientist, I played another scientist in another movie, Jaws of Los Angeles. So that's just opened doors for me in different ways. And my preparation is much more different. I think um, in a weird way, when I was playing Muslim woman, I was more, it was more about the aesthetics, like, wow, what headscarf is going to keep me covered through the whole shoot? So it went more from the exterior to like the interior of like my character and my character evolving. And I'm thinking, wow, this is what I came out here for. So it was just a completely different experience. This is going to sound again like what you read everywhere, but don't stop because you never know when another opportunity is around the corner. I was so tired before I got my new manager. I was prepping and ready to get my, you know, Islamic headshots (laughs) together. So I think a person has to be open to things. I think an artist's journey is one evolves. A person, you know, they mature, uh, they grow, the industry changes. There's lots of opportunities now. People can do their own thing. I mean, look at, we're on the Netflix lot. Whoever knew? Uh, Getting a mentor is very important. I think it's very important to find a good community. And there's so many um, different people that have their own like co-ops where they 
pool money and resources together and they shoot on the weekends. I think there's a famous article that Mark Duplass wrote where he's like, why can't you make movies over the weekends with friends? I think it's very important now because the business has evolved. I think it's very good to become entrepreneurial as well. That has really helped me. But I think having great representation that really believes in you helps. I think uh, just the community that I'm in, it helps because I get to draw on my journalism background. I get to draw on my acting background. Dare I say I get to draw on my business and econ background. So I feel like everything has kind of come full circle to me. That's an inspiration to me that it wasn't for naught. That was Vita Gafari. For more information on her latest projects, including the film Eternal Code, plus where you can find her on social media, check out the website, ktla.com slash spoken dreams. As always, you can find all our KTLA podcasts on Twitter and Instagram at KTLA podcasts on both platforms. I'm at sounds like Bobby on Instagram. Please let me know what you think of the show. Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Share it with friends and family and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. That's all for this week. Until next time, break a leg.